we are experiencing a national moment of change. For some, it has been a singular sustained cry called out for generations and over centuries. For others, it is the first ring of a bell long unheard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your experience is, it's a time to stand up against racial injustice. We here at the Out of Practice podcast pledge to stand up and support equality and justice. Please join us in raising our voices to support reforming our policing and judicial system. Participate in a peaceful protest. Support an organization committed to fighting for equality. Speak up and speak out. But most importantly, vote. Not only in the big national races, but in your local elections and primaries. Your voice matters and your vote counts. Black Lives Matter. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host. Keith Marnie. And Mike and Deglio. Streamline. <laughs> Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it. You can't see me, right? <laughs> you literally have no idea what's been going on for the past two hours. <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast detailing David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to Season 4, Episode 10, Day in Court. It is the 71st episode of Out of Practice. And guess what? If you're looking at this, you're looking at this. We are trying out something new this week. We are going to add a visual component to our podcast. So if you might be watching this on the YouTubes, and if you're not, it's on the YouTubes. How's it going, Mike? Uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, it's funny, as of this recording, which will post tomorrow, hopefully on your podcast RSS feed and Instagram live through our oopsie Instagram and also YouTube, the issue I'm realizing now is we don't have a YouTube channel. Oh, I think we do. I think I set one up. <laughs> oh, right. We got a flag right away or something. <laughs> well, we got flagged immediately. So <laughs> this is our way of avoiding the flag. So if you are watching this on the YouTubes, uh, the minute the episode proper starts, you if you want to find out what nonsense we talk about when the episode happens, you have to hop back to your, uh, to your podcast service. But we'll be back for the Oopsie Awards as soon as it's done. Oh, it's everything is happening. Nothing's happening. It's all really interesting. Keith, are you muted on the Zoom? Uh, I think so. Oh, oh, on the Zoom. These are good. We spent, how, how long would you estimate we have just spent? 
way absolute for for the dividends it will pay absolutely way too long <laughs> i believe i'm muted on the zoom okay i was just hearing a little popping and clicking i don't know that's just my computer slowly dying well or... you know it's possible our intern jen is not muted no nah, she's on muted. zoom i'd hear the birds oh, oh all right well anyway yes uh this is going to be a bit of a shit show we Absolutely are guarantee it will be. We are running 10,000 different uh, computers and programs. My desktop looks like an episode of Hoarders. But we are going to try and give you your normal mediocrity with some mediocre visuals this week. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We, and we so, looked at every legal way to just run the episode as is. Can't figure it out. Can't do it. Although can't there, there has, in, in, in a twist of irony let's say keith because i can't come up with another vocabulary word mm -hmm. i believe someone one of our listeners actually requested this week that we try to either release more content or do something live <laughs> and we happen to have been talking about this anyway so hopefully this is a stopgap until we can figure out a better way to get people in a live stream so we can have live chat. There's a lot of options and thoughts we have, but we've already spent too much time trying to get just this thing to work. So we've already spent vastly too much time, but we're both sort of uh, tech nerds who love problem solving. So this has been quite the afternoon. Uh, speaking of afternoon, it's this has been such a, a dark and stressful era that we're living through uh, here in this country. And we've talked about it a lot in the episode. But something good happened today, and I think we should acknowledge it, and that is, of course, that the uh, Supreme Court ruled uh, that you can not, or, or that, that LGBTQIA people are included in the workers' protection rights um, here in America, so you cannot be fired for being gay, which I thought was a really, uh, honestly, it made me check my privilege. Yes. Because I had no, it blew my mind that that was even possible. Yes. Like to be, that an employer up until this point was allowed to fire somebody if they found out they were gay or trans or something. And I was like, what? How was that possible? But I, that's my privilege because I don't have to think about it. What also blew my mind to coin your, to, steal your phrase, and also gave me a glimmer of an emotion I haven't felt in so long, which I believe is hope. I'm not ooh, sure. Ooh, haven't quite, what's that feel like? Yeah, it's weird, but it's it's nice. It's warm, but like a good warm. Anyway, ooh. is that they voted, uh, there were only three dissents. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, so both uh, John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch on the conservative side voted in favor of it. And I'm I'm not as surprised by Roberts because it's very clear that he does not want to see the world burn, mm -hmm. even though he's coming from a conservative end. Uh, but this is, I think, the second or third ruling we've had from Gorsuch that is similarly uh, wanting to keep the world together. So, hope. Yeah, hope. And to counteract that hope, Keith, here in Astoria, Queens, quarantine <laughs> oh, is very, very over. It's become boring. It's become boring, and I have lived here for a long time now, and it is absolutely, between the hundreds of people just flooding the streets to hang out with drinks they got at some bar, we have 
this lady who you've seen by now because it went viral, who went to one of our local bagel shops and didn't wear a mask and uh, another patron called her on it. And so she went and coughed on this lady's face and food and then turned around to notice she was being filmed. And so she covered her face and runs out. But that shit went viral overnight. So yeah, we, you could you could see the moment in her eyes where she realized her life had just been ruined. It so, was yeah, insane. Cancel culture, outrage culture. It's all look, people have the receipts now. We're in a new era. I don't know what's right, what's wrong, what's top, what's bottom, but we're all finding our way through together, and we are going to at least remember that the bigger picture is that there is civil outrage and demonstration taking place to just get us all on the same playing field. It's going to be a slow, slow march, but we are going to continue to amplify those messages and those voices just be a decent goddamn human being is really all we're pushing for here. Yeah, yeah. Try, try to be decent. Anyway, uh, it is time to hop in to the episode, starting with... Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. So this is where uh, our audiences who are watching the video of this realize that, yes, we do dance to all the bumpers every single week. Uh-huh. Uh, we definitely dance to ourselves because we're just those type of people. Uh, so we've heard from a couple of our old friends, and one of them I'm going to sprinkle in throughout the episode. We're going to have Ooh. internal filings and subpoenas, which is super exciting. Uh, but we heard from Jorge Novoa, who said, Hi, guys. I must say, not since my earlier years of My Favorite Murder have I listened to a podcast immediately upon release the way I do yours. And I've seen them live several times, which is to say, if after the quarantine you end up having a live NYC screening of an episode or two, I would totally be up for that. Not that I'm nominating the post-Super Bowl two-parter per se, but... Season 4, episode 12, was the most viewed episode of the whole series. 23.8 million people nerd facts. Yeah, that's coming up. The post-Super Bowl double feature. Very exciting. Coming up very, very soon. He said, also, would you ever consider doing a bonus episode, i.e. Patreon? I, for one, would love to hear you guys cover a court documentary, perhaps. Just putting it out there. I would join in a heartbeat. It's possible. I mean, I, I. So many things about that are spinning my on my brainstem. First of all, <laughs> the f- we never thought. In fact, we were joking weeks ago, even that nobody even listens to the end of the each episode, let alone That's true. listens weeks ahead to prepare for the episode. I know we have people listening. I, I don't even do that. That's no, the, you don't. That's what we base the entire episode on, is the principle that I'm coming in completely unprepared and Keith is probably overprepared. So anyway, that blows my mind. Also, it's hard for me to say this because you and I are two of the most self-deprecating people who have ever been born. People like to hear us talk, Keith, which is, I guess, good because we do a podcast together. So... This whole thing is sort of predicated on that, so... Yeah. So, 
I should mention also there are motorcycles everywhere, jackhammering taking place, and my neighbor upstairs is bumping some tunes. So if if somehow you can hear my voice, it's a miracle. So That'd yeah, fine. we're we're weighing it. We're gonna we've had other talks about other podcasts. We're gonna figure it out. We're figuring out how to how to expand how to give you more us, Jorge. I don't I can't believe you're asking for it, but we are actually talking about it. So stay tuned. You know, that's because Jorge is a new friend. My old <laughs> friends, can I donate to a Patreon to have just a little bit less of you? Yeah. That well, would be great. So, yes, well, thank you. Can, we're working on it. Yeah, we're thinking about it. It's very it's very exciting um, and very gratifying and very humbling that people are listening and and uh, and participating with such enthusiasm. Um, all right, so Jorge continues. And now... The Unsteady Perceptions of an Oop Fan. On Season 4, Episode 6, Marooned, Mike brought up an excellent point, which made me think he was about to ask a legal question and got sidetracked. I found this perceived question so fascinating, I decided to research it. Except, when I listened to the segment again, I realized I was wrong. i just written a mini-dissertation about a point <laughs> that wasn't even raised. <laughs> that said, a similar situation so it's not a spoiler, uh, will come up again this episode, A Day in the Court. Uh, a Day in Court, which happens to be one of my personal favorites on the series. Look out for that, Mike. So I thought I'd share what I found. And so to give context to this, this was the question that you asked. Miss Carlson. I'm sure I know the answer to this, but... Yes. We've brought this question up before, and I'm just going to pitch it to our audience. Or Jen. But it seems pretty self-explanatory. So we both agree, Keith, that during a trial, when something is objected to and then stricken from the record, it doesn't really achieve anything because the jury, regardless of how hard they try, it's now in their brain. Right. Oh, you continue. However, in future, in future uh, appeal should the trial ever come to appeal, when the record is read back or if, mm -hmm. if testimony is ever then uh, referenced for future trials or appeal or, or what have you, right. it is literally stricken from the record. It's never yes. reheard. Yeah. Okay. So we have some answers. Unbelievable. Jorge has become the better podcast. So he says, as it turns out, what Mike said about objections remaining in the jury's brain actually has an unofficial legal phrase. Unring the bell. That is, by not having a mistrial, the judge is asking jurors to unring a bell. So when he brought this up, specifically in regards to appeal, it had my wheels uh, spinning. Enter new segment. What do fans think Mike's going to ask? What if the jury can't unring the bell? What if they disregard the judge's instructions and find the defendant guilty? How can this injustice be raised in appeals court if it was, in fact, literally stricken from the record? That's totally what I meant. It's totally what I meant to ask. Hey, while I give Mike bonus points for the correct usage of literally, <laughs> listen to Scott, we'll correct you on that immediately, my little brother. What I found out was it's actually not literally stricken from the record. Oh. Not placing blame, I thought the same thing. Apparently, if something is stricken, it's not available to the jury, like Keith said. However, 
According to the Guide of Judiciary Policy, the transcript must contain all the words and other verbal expressions uttered during the course of the proceeding. No portion must be omitted from the record by an order to strike. The material ordered stricken as well as the order to strike must all appear in the transcript. So I, I think what that means is that it is stricken from what the jury can ask for. It is the, like the jury's transcript. If they can ask for a piece of it read back to them, the jury cannot have access to that. But of course, the actual transcript of the trial itself, uh, for, for use in appeals, it must remain there, which makes perfect sense. Okay, uh, yeah, that does make sense. And it it's good to know. Yeah, that's really, I think that's fascinating. Uh, it's amazing work. Thank you, Jorge. That was... Uh, you made us the better podcast. Uh, I, fantastic. It makes me so happy when things we hoped would happen start to happen. Uh, you know. And this is the first time ever in our life. Yes. People are not only writing in and interacting with us, but they're A, making me sound smarter than I am, <laughs> and B, answering questions, which leads me to... My next question, which could lead to my ultimate divorce, do we need an intern? Oh, no. Do we need an intern if our whoa, listeners are whoa. interning for us? Of course we need an intern. Okay. First up, she makes us better because like, when she's on the line, you know, we have to sort of up our game. Mm -hmm. Second of all, she does research in the moment. That is true. As opposed to a week later. Okay. So. I think you're necessary, Jen. Although I don't think, I think you're more than an intern. Oh, we need to we need to give her an official title that's not intern. In the, I mean, she is unpaid. Mm -hmm. There is that. But, yes. Uh, Definition of intern. All right. So the next filing and subpoena is from our good friend Phoenix Cage, and so I'm going to. He gave us. <laughs> he sent notes on the upcoming episode, the episode we're about to do. Uh, a day in court. Uh, so he has some thoughts as, as we're going through that I'll inject as we talk. But he begins... Uh, a mild spoiler for today, but I think we can handle it. We're all adults here. He says, Keith, this probably won't spoil anything except maybe what does Mike think's gonna happen segment, but I figured I'd let you make the call. I say I'm putting it in. I wanted to drop this in ahead of time and bring up during the episode because it's probably not worth discussing after the fact, but the writers really do not know what money laundering is. David E. Kelly is an attorney, so he must have been so he must not have been a criminal attorney, either in the literal sense or in the Saul Goodman sense. It's not handing someone money to them and handing it back. It's creating a legitimate source of income with inflated profits so that large sums of illegitimate money can be spent without raising red flags. So it's a serious concern for those with illegal gains. After all, tax evasion is how they got Capone. I'd figured at least one of you guys would catch this. For all I know, you could be laundering tens of dollars through Anchor.fm ads. <laughs> Oh, that is a great zing. It's a good thing we're uh, friends, he, Phoenix, because... He knows us so well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Phoenix gets it. Uh, he Also, he continued, I would have sent my usual voice message, but I just had sinus surgery at the hospital, and I can't speak very well. 
either from the anesthesia, painkillers, or the gauze in my nose, just all of the above. Well, I'm sorry you had sinus surgery. That sucks. Yeah, get better soon, man. Uh, get better soon. Uh, we look forward to uh, hearing more from you later in the episode. Keith, but do now, you know what is the best uh, recovery medicine? NyQuil. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, second best is listening <laughs> to a three-hour podcast whilst watching the two morons speak about it on Instagram and YouTube, and then them not legally being able to play the episode audio on YouTube and having to switch over to your phone to listen to the episode, <laughs> only to have to switch back to Instagram Live or YouTube to watch the closing. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I think you've made it harder because this is sort of Mike's idea. You have now made it harder for us and our listeners. Mm -hmm. That's really that's really true. And you get to uh, watch me uh, chain drink Coke Zero. Who is not a sponsor. Episode. Not a sponsor. Like, not a sponsor. But if you would like to sponsor us. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Coke, Coke is like, you know what we were really missing out on in our marketing strategy? The niche people who watch the practice from 1999 and listen to podcasts about it market. Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. No, I'm sure that they'd uh, see a giant spike in sales. All right. Well, we're going to hop back in the time machine back to December 12th, 1999, heading into the Christmas season, and I would like to ask you what was going on this day in the basement. Keith, so many chapters were about to close in my life. I'm about to leave for the Christmas break, the the winter break from Ithaca, never to return. Oh. And I'm going to drive home from Ithaca to back to King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, in my favorite car I've ever owned, in what will be the last long-distance journey that car ever takes, because in a mere matter of weeks, I'll get into an accident. My mom will decide that she's going to have the car fixed, and it never comes back from the shop because she decides to sell it to some cousin I have who runs the shop who says that he can, he'll give her more money for it than will, it would cost to fix it, even though I've learned that's all bullshit. So we say goodbye to my favorite Honda Prelude 1999, cherry red, <laughs> two-door, sporty as hell, we salute you. I thank you for your service. And uh, I miss you, man. I miss you, buddy. Oh, that's it, Keith. That is, that's so sad. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, I, on the other hand, have a great story. Oh, I can't I wait to hear so it. Ex I'm so excited about this day in the basement because I actually know exactly what I was doing on this day. Ooh, Okay. And it is also, speaking of spoilers, we have a lot of spoilers this week. This is a sports ball spoiler because I, on this day, attended the first NFL football game of my life <whistles> at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. I went to go see Carrie Collins, Tiki Barber, Amani Toomer, Michael Strahan, and the New York football giants defeat the Buffalo Bills. And I went and uh, we sat in the very front row at Ralph Wilson Stadium. And I think you have a picture of, yep, there is, 
I went with my girlfriend at the time who was remaining anonymous, not because she asked for it, but because she probably <laughs> would ask for it. <laughs> the poor thing does not deserve to be uh, associated with me or this podcast, but there is us in the front row. And I think I sent another picture of the view that we had. We are on about, it looks like the nine yard line. And it was spectacularly fun. The saturation um, we, of that photo looks just like the saturation of our uh, episodes we watch. I think it. I think it's just the '90s. Yeah, that was on a uh, disposable, like you know, film camera. I took the pictures are terrible and completely uh, impossible to see what's happening. But not only did we win, we won on a last-minute field goal to take the lead, and then a. Hail Mary from Doug Flutie that was intercepted right in front of me in the seats there. So on all of the team highlight videos, I can actually see myself jumping up in my white Phil Sims jersey when the uh, ball is intercepted. Listeners who are watching with us today, take a look at that side by side. Keith, I got to say, man, I'd, you have not aged a bit. No, well, it's, I I think it's because fat don't crack. Uh, <laughs> Low cal Keith at the Giants game. <laughs> no, that's high cal Keith at the Giants game. And then I spent like fifteen years like super thin, and and then I I became high cal Keith again, which is why now I'm low cal Keith, trying not to be high cal Keith. I love that you blurred out your ex girlfriend's face. But that poor man. But not my jowls. That, that poor bastard right behind you on the top right of that photo. He's clearly not happy with the way the games. By the way, this week's episode of the Out of Practice podcast brought to you by Unnecessary Turtlenecks. Unnecessary Turtlenecks. Cover I those rolls a- when you go to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> I found uh, turtlenecks necessary for about uh, from about fifteen to twenty five. Just mock turtlenecks every day. That was my uniform because I apparently just did not ever want to touch a girl. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so my other favorite story, speaking of the guy next to me in the uh, at the at the Bills stadium, because, of course, we're the, we're the, the away team and they were all rooting for the Bills. There was this guy sitting right next to me who it was a one o'clock game. He was toasted well before kickoff. And he spent the entire time screaming to the point like I was worried about his vocal health <laughs> and he was just going Coleman Coleman you suck Coleman you suck your mother hates you you suck Coleman you fucking suck and so I let him do this just like endlessly it never never stopped I let him go all the way to the fourth quarter and I just went uh y- you know it's Collins right and it's like it's like oh thanks Collins! Collins, you suck! <laughs> Just like didn't skip a beat. Oh man, that's funny. It was great. All right, so that is this day in the basement. It is time to talk about. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. And the number one hit continued to be... No. 
but this week I've gone with a metal cover by Leo Maracchioli. <laughs> the cover of the Burlington Free no, Press. No, stop. Say it again. What's the guy's name? Leo Maracchioli. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I took Italian diction. All right. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Burlington Free Press. The headline was Attorney General to Look Into Hazing. And what was happening there was quite the scandal. The University of Vermont men's hockey team got into a horrible hazing scandal that decimated the team for a while. I remember that. Was, that must have made national news. I th- I'm sure it did. It was pretty brutal. And uh, especially looking back on it was even more upsetting than uh, I thought, which is... This is a great underscoring for this very serious conversation. The top movie was Toy Story 2 in its third week of its reign. Thank you, Leo. That was amazing. I'm glad to have found that. And now it's time for the slightly spoiled... It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Ball. After the glory that was the Giants' last-second victory over the Bills, the world turn- turned in to watch the Philadelphia Football Eagles lose to the Dallas Cowboys 20-10. Troy Aikman threw for 242 yards, including receptions by Neon Deion Sanders. The Eagles fell to the ignominious record of 3-11. Man, we sucked. (laughs) You were not good at all. Well, speaking of not good at all. Oh, yeah. Talk to me. Can you tell me the weather? Because we all need to know. Was it hot or did it snow? Yeah, maybe. Tell me the weather. From 21 years ago. Oh, yeah, just feel it. Mm. Keith, it was finally winter time here in Astoria, New York. It's been balmy the past few weeks, even though it shouldn't have been. It was 46 degrees and cloudy. Got all the way down to 40 degrees. And I can guarantee you this it wasn't as noisy then as it is now. And that's your weather. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so glad we 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 did that. Well, what's even I'm a human what, being? God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. This episode is season four, episode ten, entitled "Day in Court." It was written by David E. Kelly with a story by Mark Silver whose only other credit is one episode of Rude Awakening. Huh. It was directed by Dennis Smith, who last directed Losers Keepers. Which leaves us with the eternal question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would've drank the curdled milk? Then what would've happened? You know, I think it was last week, Keith, my wife was like, I know I just find myself waking up and humming your jingles. And so, do you know what she and I did, which is the maybe pinnacle of self-absorption and losership? I can't wait. 
we queued up each and every one of our jingles, Keith, and we sat in my living room. We played them but one by one and jammed out to them. <laughs> we did that. Which oh really solidified that we should stay married for a multitude of reasons, one of them being no one will ever love us that much. No one will ever that, do that with us again, with me again. That is extraordinary. Find and somebody so, who sings your podcast jingles with you. I, yeah, you that I know. Person. Yeah, right? I'm just, I, I'm not upset by the uh, non-veiled narcissism of it. I'm just pissed off I wasn't there to do it. <laughs> well, next time we'll, we'll Skype you in. But God, I'll, but I'll make sure we load up 17 different programs and it takes us uh, three and a half hours to set up the Skype before we do it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I'm exhausted. We haven't even started the episode. Well, there was clearly a creative decision that they were not going to do previously on this season because they've been leaving me out to dry. And you've noticed that my predictions thus far have gone downhill. I've been predicting pirates. Pirates, yeah. Uh, I really don't need to say anything else. I think that was really the, the all-time low. This week, I'm... Oh, last week, Bay of Pigs was tough, too. They left me nothing. They left me nothing. That's true. They this gave week, us nothing. They gave us nothing. This week is tricky, too, because... Uh, oh, wait. I do have Marooned queued up. I have the wrong episode queued up. You've got the wrong... Why are you obsessed with that episode? I don't know. It was a good episode. It was a good episode. Day in the, uh... court. I mean, every episode is a day in court. Every one of them. Right. So I'm Lawyers in trouble here. talking should be the title of it. Here's the thing. So I'm going out on a limb here. Not so much of a limb. I need more Bobby. Oh my God, your cat. <laughs> Look at Chad's video. Oh yeah. <laughs> so in, so Jen is is uh, a part of our, our video Skype thing. And her camera's just on the floor. And uh, it, was, it was Cece. Your cat just uh, joined the podcast. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, How's this segment going for you. Yeah, not great. Uh, <laughs> we well, we did say up front this one was going to be exceptionally bad. I'm trying to uh, so many things. Anyway, I need more Bobby. The season's been great, but I need more Bobby. Uh, I need less comic Bobby with the wedding dress stuff, and I need more Bobby being Bobby McRambo and Bobby McAwesome Lawyer. Mm -hmm. Mike is thirsty. Give me that sweet sweet Bobby. He's thirsty. And so that's what I'm predicting this episode, that I'm going to get what I need. I'm going to get a hefty <laughs> dose of that Bobby McDean. a very big dick. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. And not only that, but I'm going to say that day in court is not referencing a client. It's referencing one of our own. One of our own from the firm gets in trouble, Keith, and Bobby McRambo has to represent them in court. Ooh. That's what I think. Okay. So, Keith, how could people watching us on the internets here uh, listen to the episode with us? For those who are just oh. finding us and have not, don't know how this all works, like us. Oh, that's true. Well, first off, there will be a link below. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I'm on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, you can hop on to any of your podcasting services, Apple Podcasts, or anything else you enjoy, or Stitcher, or... Uh, or whatever, and uh, listen to the episode. You go go back to our archive all the way back to the pilot episode. And if you would like to talk to us, 
about these episodes, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at out of practice podcast we have a blog which is also linked below that's out of practice podcast.blogspot.com you can see all of the screenshots we're not allowed to show you on the youtube all right so there you have it you can listen to the episode along with us or you can watch it at home on hulu uh, which we hope you subscribe to not a sponsor yes. but they will be shortly i feel it i feel well, it. we mentioned them so they don't sue us that's true but we will be back here. Uh, you can go listen to the episode. We'll be back here for the Oopsie Awards, which is big news. The most prestigious award I can, I've made up. And uh, But if you want to hear us talk over the episode to really get the gist of what Keith and I do, I mean, our really insightful... Really interrupting the episode, breaking the flow. People really love the it. plot lines. But yeah. that aside, it's where some of the most choice bumpers get played. So you don't want to miss those. Uh, that's true. Either way, we're going to roll an ad you don't have to listen to, and we'll be back for the oopsies, which will be instantaneous for you. So pause oh here, my God. listen to the episode, come on back for the oopsies, do it however you want. We don't even know if this was a good idea, but we're going to be back uh, after this ad. That's true about the podcast, too. From Anchor. Okay, and I hey. guess it's time. Yeah, it is time for season four Episode mm -hmm. 10, Day in Court. Voluntary? With good behavior and time served, you could be out in seven. It's a good deal. Not a chance. Take the deal, Eddie. We are not doing well in there. They have pictures, they have the murder weapon, and we have nothing. Two I like it when it's that Bobby and Eugene. You were going to kill the victim. In lockup with somebody. You said it in there. You stabbed him seven times. Did you take a look at that, jury? Why the hell should I? Look at me. With Seven deal, times? I can lobby for a lower security facility, maybe even conjugal visits. In my opinion, the DA is offering you better than you deserve. Someone's got to get that bony-ass bitch. Look, I've about had it with you. Good. Then you can get your not-so-bony-ass self out of here. Eddie! I ain't taking voluntary. I paid you 90,000 bucks. Which is probably drug money. You took it, like you always have. Now, why don't you take 20 Ooh, of it and go buy a Jura? I don't care. Just get okay, me Okay, it off. is time for... Guy with a completely unplaceable accent! Guy who's making me try to do too many things at once! Oh no! <laughs> you jumped into the intro of the show. Sure did. All right, this is Mark Shepard, one of uh, I think one of my favorite character actors, who you would know from Supernatural, Battlestar Galactica, White Collar, Leverage, Twenty Four, and Don't Worry, he was on Star Trek Voyager, in which he played Louis Khan in the episode. Child's Play. I found Unnecessary it. Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. Okay, so we've got ourselves a murder case. Our client is an old, not an old friend, but an old client of Bobby. Seems to be working in the drug trade, and he stabbed a guy seven times, but once, to get off. What's this I hear you offered that cokehead manslaughter? Relax, Richard. Richard Bay is back with us. It was us. first degree, Helen. Is this the Christmas spirit? Played by Jason Turn Kravitz. Turn the deal down. Excuse me? 
The cokehead's sticking to self-defense. What? That means they'll have to testify. No problem. I testify. Yeah, there is a problem. Once you take the stand, they could introduce all your felonies to impeach you. Drug felonies. I never killed anybody before. Right, Jeannie? Well, I've never killed anybody before. What I, did he call you him? Call me Jeannie one more time. Jeannie. Mm -hmm. That could change. Look, just ask me the questions. Don't put that genie I'll in a bottle. Eddie, are you coked up now? I'm in lockup. How do I get anything? Look, you've seen enough of Helen Gamble to know she's going to be aggressive. Let her come. Bobby, he's high. Oh, he has. He has. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, roll it. You better roll it. You son of a bitch. I'm not playing the episode. Yeah, there we go. Nope, not that one. Is thirsty. Not that one, Gabe. <laughs> Oh, very big there we now we can proceed. <laughs> I think both the Your second chair. Eugene, excuse us for a second, would you please? You want your ninety grand back, Eddie? Because I'll write your check with interest right now and walk away. Business is good, huh, Bobby? You wouldn't walk away from my money ten years ago. Makes me sick here. <laughs> so I helped build your firm. Over 10 years, I poured a million bucks in and out of your place, and you took it, you took it, you took it. Knowing exactly where it came from, knowing exactly how I got it, you took it. I'm not going to listen. Hey, maybe you didn't break any laws, Bobby. But you and I both know you laundered money. He's you know, chewing some scenery, give you a big retainer, well, you give me I have half to, back after no, the case was over. I have, you, to, I have to jump in here and it. say, there have been so many uh, completely valid complaints about American actors trying to do uh, British accents that go horribly wrong. And I, I, I say this as somebody who is a genuine Mark Shepard fan. I really like him as an actor. I find him super compelling. I love everything he does. Uh, he's from London. That accent is terrible. It's not great. That is that is a completely bizarre American accent. I also Sorry, love how every time someone rightfully calls Bobby on his bullshit, or just the fact that they, that his scruples change depending on the day and which way the wind's blowing. Right. He gets so indignant, so indignant. That's that's Bobby's primary color. And that's true. Indignant. It looks good in it. money. Now, yeah. you judge me. You're striding here in your fancy suit. <laughs> Moved up. Now you judge me? Don't you lump me into what you are. I was never what oh, you were. I'll never be what you are. I was a lawyer representing scum. Money was right. Which I'm obviously and still doing today. You think you have something too good? You stabbed a person seven times, Eddie. You're a murderer. That's how I judge you. Hey, counselor. It was self-defense. Step back, Eddie. They might make out. Seriously. Step back. Guys, uh, a nine and a half isn't enough. I need this scene at a 10. Mm -hmm. If you can pull an 11, I saw do it. some heroin three days before. The Paul Dooley yes. is back as Judge Swackheim. When he shows up at my house rambling about how the stuff wasn't pure, I could tell he was wired. On heroin? Or something. Anyway, he, he starts going on about how he's going to mess me up. Uh, for those listening, we are in a different courtroom as the jury's on that, we're on the side. I think this is the courtroom that Rebecca did that great close once. Well, this is Swackheim's courtroom and the last couple times we've seen him rebecca was the lawyer he came at me we get into a struggle and suddenly he's got me by the throat and that's when i reach for my knife where was the knife 
In my pocket, it was a switchblade. He had me by the throat. I wasn't getting any air. I'm thinking, this is it. I'm dying. And then I got my knife out and just started stabbing. How many times did you stab him with the knife, Eddie? I didn't know at the time. They tell me seven. I just kept stabbing at the guy till he fell off of me. Eddie, why didn't you call the police? Because I'm a drug dealer, Mr. Donnell. I sell heroin. I didn't figure the police to be too sympathetic. But I acted in self-defense that night. I'm no model citizen, I admit. But I'm no murderer. Seven times you stabbed him before he fell off you? That's right. Because he was strangling you? Yes. How much do you weigh, Mr. Wicks? Around 175. Do you know how much the victim weighed? No. Would it surprise you to learn he weighed 135 pounds, 40 pounds less than you? That guy weighs a buck 75? When a guy has you by the neck, size doesn't matter too much. No way. doctors find any bruising around your neck? I guess it depends on how tall he is. Did the victim owe you money, Mr. Wicks? This wasn't about that. Did the victim owe you money, sir? Yes. How much? Around $60,000. This debt was incurred through past drug sales? Yes. You've been convicted three times no, for selling and possessing drugs? Very uh, drug guy. dubious I faces. Bobby caught it, too. Bobby caught Wackheim's... Uh, Swackheim? Something like that. Wacky Wack? Wacky Swackheim? Wacky Swackheim! Said it, but Bobby's I'm not a killer. Did you tell Mr. Ellison you'd kill him if he didn't satisfy his debt? I had previously threatened him, yes, but this incident... He- Swackheim has always shown quite the disdain for each and every one of these quote-unquote bad guys. Yeah, he definitely is not on the side of the defendant. Ever. Here was self-defense. You said the victim just showed up at your house. Did you call him shortly before he came? Yes, to discuss his outstanding account. You didn't invite him over so you could kill him? Objection. Objection. Sustained. Ever stab anybody else with a switchblade, Mr. Wicks? Drug trafficking is a tough trade, Miss Gamble. Sometimes I've had to use my knife. But this instance here was self-defense. That's a yes. You have used your knife to stab people before. Yes. Wow. Swackheim is scored. Because of the expression on my face? You all but told the jury not to believe him. I didn't know such thing. You were so obviously rejecting his testimony. Forget it. Your Honor. First of all, I was not shooting any looks. Second, I wouldn't be conveying that kind of a look anyway because I don't necessarily believe that your little scum-sucking, lying, murdering client is guilty. Jesus. He could have just been <laughs> temporarily insane and under the delusion that he was stabbing his own mother. You think that's funny? Who do you think you're kidding? You're in here looking for a mistrial because you know, just like I know, what the verdict is going to be. Let me tell you, counsel, I don't play those games. And just for asking, I'm hitting you with a $500 fine. Appealed. So noted. Mistrial. I love Swackheim. I, I, I miss his ticks. I don't know. I, I mean, it was pretty broad, so I'm, I actually can understand why they you know, Bobby, cut it from the character. Things are desperate. He'll try anything. It was fun. Suppose if I ever killed anybody, he'd be the guy I'd call. Helen, I, uh, I noticed you got a little mistletoe hanging. Oh, Where? Jesus. Oh, oh she does. God. Maintenance must have done that. Even so. Don't harass me, Richard. You liked well, my kiss. You said so. I said it was nice. That doesn't mean it couldn't use a little work. Wow. Oh, now you're hurt. What was wrong with it? It was lovely. No, no, don't patronize me, Helen. Just tell me. Well, it was Their from you. Okay, well, odd. 
Your little tongue was shooting around everywhere like a lizard trying to catch a fly. That's a technique. Technique? That's not good Richard, It was darting in and out. I... It's also technically, we saw the kiss, and it was clearly not that, so... Uh, uh, continuity. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, look. Now she's making out with him. It's a little gross. That's what a good kiss is like. The tongue should know what it's doing. And we get the sitcom beat of him staring up like he'd been abducted by aliens. Now, clearly, he didn't mind that, Keith. Okay. Right. It's clear. However, yes. since we're off to call Bobby and Lucy and some people on their forward behavior, appropriate or inappropriate, we should mention they are still at work. They are. I, I believe they are an equal station in terms of their position. I think they're both just DAs. Okay. She's supervising DA or something like still that. Still feels a little inappropriate. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what's happening with these two people, with this relationship. Like, I, th this is like one of those, like, TV things where it's just normal for a man to date just absurdly out of his conceptual league and would just accept that. But if this were gender reverse, it'd be like, what's happening? Yeah, actually, it's it, what I find really interesting about it. If, if we look at it as a romantic will they, won't they which I'm not really invested in because I don't like this dude, really. Well, or, he's I, sort of set up to be a villain. Yeah, and so what's weird to me about it is that we don't have any sort of footing as to what Helen actually feels about it. I mean, everything we've been shown is that she basically had to have her arm twisted to go out. She felt bad for him, so she went on a date with him. Then he force-kissed her at the end of it, and then she right. was just kissing him here to show him how bad of a kisser he was. So I, I don't know where she's at, and so I don't know how to feel. Well, and that's, yeah, and that's where I think a a woman on the writing staff would be able to, like, make her motivations make sense. Mm, yeah, well, okay. Right, there it is. He got to, didn't That said, he's really funny. Well, he had a yeah. point. I have built this place doing drug cases. Should I give you the speech you always give me? Drug cases subsidize. No, I don't need the speech. I went a little beyond that with Eddie. What do you mean? We made out. Uh, we were friends. <laughs> you know, I'd hang out with him after the case was over. I'd suppress the evidence, he'd throw a little party, and I'd celebrate with him. You know, he was the client, and a good businessman caters to the client. I think I always led him to believe that I really liked him. Hmm. Did you? Maybe I Good did. Good salesman. I think when someone's buttering your bread, you want to like him. Did he launder money through this place? Probably. Well, this is Phoenix's point. You know, he, yeah. He'd give me a $25,000 cash retainer for a two-day trial, and... I pay him back the unused, yeah. It was probably the equivalent of laundering. But how? You know, and I think Phoenix made a very I... good point here, because how is that money laundering? That's basically... Because it, it, the money hasn't 
changed. It hasn't been filtered through a business. It's basically like he paid too much at Starbucks and they gave him the money back. I don't think Starbucks Starbucks legitimized that money. Right, and it, it was just, still being used for his defense fund. It, it was like a refund. It wasn't. It, it it wasn't as though he invested in the firm. The right. firm made money, and he got a percentage back of that investment, or something like that. Right. That's weird. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't really fit the. I mean, I get I get what they're going for. Obviously, that Bobby knew that maybe it was semi shady, and but that. It's kind of what they do for all of their bad guys, well, no, right? Knowing that it's drug money, knowing that the, the source of the money is not legitimate, I think is clear. But I don't know how the that money gets legitimized by Bobby holding on to it for a, for a bit. Well, I guess if Bobby then gives it back to him, writes like a check from the firm, that money ha- is now legitimized. If he paid him with the dirty money, which Bobby legally wouldn't be able to accept, right? Uh, I think he's not. He might not be able to take it if he knows specifically, but I think he's got a lot of wiggle room from like, I don't know where it came from. But I don't think because it's a return of his own money. It's not like Bobby gave him money. And also, as Phoenix pointed out, it's the same amount of money. Right. The point of money laundering is to come up with some way that this income was generated that was valid. You know, you, you own a pizza shop that is mysteriously profitable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think it's, I, I think Phoenix is right. Listen, if it, there are any inscrupulous individuals out there, inscrupulous, inscrupulous, in, in <laughs> that to, to Phoenix's other point, inscrutable, uh, Oh man, I really broke my brain today. Inscrutable. Uh, that w- <laughs> forget it. I'm just forget it. <laughs> Listen, what I'm trying to get at here is that many people are lacking in their scruples. If anybody out there wants to launder some money through the Out of Practice podcast, we are not officially going to do it, but we're open to it. I was dirty too, Lindsay. <laughs> That's why he can't bear me passing How do we explain to the IRS time? being profitable with this Bobby, podcast? You were in a legitimate <laughs> business. He wasn't. He sees all that you've accomplished and how he stayed in the same place, and he's angry. No, he's angry because when I needed his money, I liked him. And now that I don't, I don't. Well, he really got under Bobby's well, skin. It's all about over anyway. He did. He'll get murdered too at best. He's looking at a life sentence. Consider him lost business. I haven't lost yet. I'm Bobby Donald. I'm Bobby. I don't f- lose. Fucking McDonald. E I E I O, motherfucker. <laughs> Cow goes saying move, no bitch. Shot. I'm saying <laughs> it's a long shot. We can argue the elements, but in my opinion, the jury has already made up its mind. I paid you enough money. Will you money? stop with the money? You can't buy acquittals. How about you, Genie? Would you like me to take your head off? Oh, what, you Eugene. That's what it is. Yeah. Would it? Look, Eddie, manslaughter is our best. I take a manslaughter good murder two or murder one. Cause that hey, 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 hey. Want a piece of me, Eddie? Huh? You haven't got your knife now, and I weigh more than a buck forty. I wouldn't need my knife. I could pay you to play dead. All right. Mike, let's do the rest of the episode. I did eleven. <laughs> Go in there and argue the elements. I'm not sure I could find a three right now, Keith. 
Just argue the elements. <laughs> Just look down. Should we open another application? <laughs> it's absolutely impossible. Are you sure, Doctor? Hey! For the oh my to God! Strangling with seven stab wounds. Guy, we have no context for yet. Guy who usually has longer hair than we see right here, but we don't really see because you're not watching the episode, but listening to us talk about it. Talk about it. Yes, that is Ed Bagley Jr., a seven-time Emmy nominee, six of them for St. Elsewhere. He's also known for A Mighty Wind, Pineapple Express, Better Call Saul, Arrested Development, Seventh Heaven, and Star Trek Voyager. He was in Future's Ends Part 1 and 2. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. My wife and I are working our way through the Christopher Guest uh, ca canon. Verse. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we just finished Guffman and we watched For Your Consideration. Have you ever seen For Your Consideration? Oh, yeah. With Catherine O'Hara. It's 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 not my favorite of the Christopher Guest's, Guest films, but it's a good That's one. That's where like the home for Pernum or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going back uh, to a mighty wind soon, so we'll be seeing Mr. Bagley Jr. momentarily. Indeed. The loss of blood alone would have dropped him, plus the knife hit major arteries in both the heart and neck. This was not self-defense. Objection. Sustained. Uh, just give us the medicals, doctor. Dr. Foster, were you able to make a determination as to the order of the wounds? Well, first, the wounds on the hands looked to be defensive in nature, as if he had his palms up to block. The idea that his hands were on the defendant's neck at the time he received them, also impossible. Is he testifying to the order here? I'm about to, counsel. Then please do so, doctor. The hands came first. The jugular vein in the neck was then severed, and while the victim was clutching his neck, he was then stabbed in the arm, then the heart. Yikes. The wound to the atrium of the heart was the fatal one. Now, it's your medical opinion that the That's victim's messy. hands were not on the defendant's neck at the time he received the fatal wound to the heart. That is my medical opinion, yes. Oh, shit! Oh, oh shit! Oh, my God. So he just left over the table and is now strangling poor Helen. Well, this brings up something that came up, for, uh, Jorge brought up, a question that I didn't ask but should have asked and am claiming that I wanted to ask. Oh. Can you strike this from the record? Could you tell the jury ah. you didn't see that, him strangle that woman? There it is. There is the question. Can you unring, unring the, the bell, bell of the defendant actually trying to murder the prosecutor? That is a pretty hard bell to unring. Let's find out what happens. Oh, yeah, Eugene. Oh, Eugene broke clearly just broke his arm because the sound editor put in the sound of an arm breaking. Even in the editing booth, they were like, you know what? Let's go to 11 this episode. Let's go to 11. I'm surprised he didn't rip off his arm and like beat it across his chest. Now, Keith, I, I pose to you the question, an important question, the okay. most important question. Okay. Oh, we're gonna take it up to eleven. Take take your question to eleven. Okay, so it wasn't Bobby. It was Eugene that broke his arm. That's right. But since they're working together, does it count as Bobby McRambo to make what does Mike think's gonna happen correct? 
That's a really good question! Because when you are a participant in the crime, even if you don't shoot the gun, you are equally culpable in that crime! Uh, so yes! Second important question, why is yes. your take it to 11 impression sound also like you just are like eating a really large sandwich? <laughs> just sounds I'm, like your mouth is full. <laughs> it's cause you drained, oh gosh, gonna, you see, cause you drained broke his arm, but it was out, yeah. Helen. Oh, she's, she's bleeding out. Get an ambulance! Get an ambulance! I'm oh, okay. just lie still. That was a nice little like deep breath at the end, so we knew she was alright. Yeah, I wonder if that lie was still. Uh, done through. in post, or she actually did Stay that. Stay back. She's sir. my girlfriend. Let me through. I'm not your girlfriend. Helen. One all right. Well, she's made it clear. Bobby, I'm okay. Right. Go to the hospital. Get checked out. I'm not his girlfriend. Oh, that's not her fault. Is she okay? What I gather. What hospital? Mass General. I'm going. Cameron. Welcome well, to the episode. Ready. It was just a concussion. He just mugged her in the courtroom. Did We're Bobby in this episode, too. Now what happens? You gotta be kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? There's no way this trial could possibly go on after that. You think I'm gonna reward this bastard with a mistrial after he jumps the DA? That's exactly why he did it. He knew whoa, he was... Whoa, 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 the jury whoa. is not gonna be impartial. I will instruct the jury to disregard the assault and the DA. Disregard? We don't even have a district attorney to prosecute right now. We'll get a new one. Oh, you can't what? be serious. Come on, come on, listen to me. Both of you. The Commonwealth has already spent $100,000 on this piece of dirt. Now, I'm not about to start all over again and waste the taxpayers' money, especially when I think that the motive for this attack was to get a mistrial. Any conviction will just get thrown out on appeal. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But with the conviction, the state will have something to bargain with, won't they? Maybe this thing will plead out, which it should have done to begin with except that your coked-up, murdering scumball's brain was too scrambled to see the wisdom of that. So you expect it just to continue on like nothing happened? I will give an instruction. No judge in his right mind will let this continue. Oh, too bad you got me. I won't do what I want off. Denied. Helen Gamble is a friend of mine, and I won't continue defending He's the man. He's more than a friend, Bobby. Let's be honest. Will. I'll throw it away. Then I'll put you away. Do it. I will do it. Don't I will defend me. the man who did this. You will defend him, or I'll put you in lockup right now. What kind of judge are you? We gotta keep yelling! Everyone yell! I had to get up and get a cough drop because we've been yelling so much! God damn, we're old. You, old the best <laughs> But this is a good, like, this is sort of a, all about the unringing of the bell. And, like, this judge, like, Swicom, this is a crazy thing to continue a trial. Un, but, you know, under these circumstances. However, that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're going to do. But he's like bringing up how much they spent on it, which of course is like, this is like full oh, on. crazy and fed up. This trial goes on. Wait, back that up. That was a great line. It's going. The old crazy and fed up. Kind. Old crazy. One more. Do away. Do it. I will do it. Don't defend right the man who did this. You will defend him or I'll put you in lockup right now. What kind of judge are you? The best kind. Old, crazy and fed up. That's us, This Keith. trial goes on. It is. I hope they end up in lockup anyway, because we can add to it's our rap sheet. Forward. I'll take over. How can he not call a mistrial? The guy attacked me. It's Swackheim. Look, just get me the file. Yeah, both sides it, want a mistrial Helen. here. It was a concussion. I took an Advil. Well, if you have headaches... I'm not going to let that dirtbag scare me we off. We didn't care about concussions in 1999. Well, 
I'm sitting second chair. You're at least getting back up. At least got millions of dollars for it. Richard? What was that she's my girlfriend stuff? Do we need to have a conversation? They wouldn't let me through. I just wanted to get through. I feel like this is describing worry, the first 35 the years of my straight. life. <laughs> I'm sorry the idea is so offensive to you. Like, I thought you were my girlfriend. You I don't even know who you feelings. are. I asked for it. Yes, you've been asking for it, Richard. I think that's the important thing to remember. She's just not that into you. She is profoundly If you think you can't separate what happened in this room from the... Keith, I know you can't tell me. I know you can't tell me. But okay. is this going to David E. Kelly fantasy trip like we've seen before? And are they going to end up together because it has to play out in the man's favor? Oh, you mean uh, Richard Helen and, and Helen. Richard? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to answer that because no. I can't. I have this show has integrity. That's... If nothing else. <laughs> and that is accurate. Remember when you said literally before? Well, we literally have nothing else. <laughs> uh, but I guess we're going right. to get a whole monologue about unringing the bell, eh? Yeah. So Swackheim is doing a jury instruction here, telling the jury how to handle this information that they've just seen. Any minute now. Yeah, here we go. If you think you can't separate what happened in this room from the case we're trying, just say so. I'll take you off. But if you continue on as jurors, you damn well better consider the two events separate. One's got nothing to do with the other. And if you let his attack on the district attorney color your deliberations on the murder charge, you're mentally deficient thugs. You get that? <laughs> you took an oath to listen to the evidence and to rule on it. And if any of you go back there and consider anything except the evidence properly admitted, and I find out about it, I'll hold you in contempt. Ah, uh, the old threaten the jury tactic. Okay, so I have an amendum, addendum? Oh, God damn it. I tell, <laughs> guys, I know I talk a lot about leaving college, but I am an educated human being. I do know how to speak. I know how to use words. I just- He's low-cal Mike, guys. He's low-cal low Mike. Mike. Cut him I, some slack. I actually took my life in my hands this weekend, Keith. Drove to Philadelphia and had a, went to a birthday party, of which my brother told me there would be like a handful of people, and there were- more than a handful of people there. Um, some of them yeah. complete strangers. Complete oh, great. strangers. So great. My anxiety level is high. Anyhow, a follow-up to my other question about unringing the bell. The judge brings up an important question there. Okay, so he's instructing them not to use that information or what they saw in their deliberations, which he could find out about because a jury could say, well, we have this one member and he brought this XYZ up. But what right. if... And, and after the trial, juries can talk to whoever they want, say whatever they want. Right. So I guess my question is, what if you don't go back and bring it up to the jury? What if it's just in the back of your head and it colors your vote as a jury member? There's no way that anybody can assume that your vote is because of a certain factoid that you learned or just a, now a general impression you have of a person. There's Yeah, and, and I think it's fair to acknowledge that even a well-intentioned jury member attempting to do that is still subconsciously going to be affected by 
what happened because a lot of it is because this is a, a two-person case, right? You have the guy who murdered him and the guy murdered. Other than the medical evidence, it's he said he said nobody said. So the the credibility of the defendant is paramount in whether or not you you know believe him or not. Well, duh. But like the whole case is on whether you believe this is self-defense or not. What we have on a medical exam. Here's what we have so far. He had a reputation in Los Angeles. Yeah, for being I thought sloppy. we were going to see more I of Ed Bagley. Three prosecutors who blame him for losing convictions, although they say he makes for a very good say, way too big a star. To have Christmas one. decorations in the office are very nice. Sloppiness? Oh no, no, no! You are going to love this. He was surprised one Lucy's night on in it. his examining room while he was. It feels like just yesterday we were at a Christmas party and. Uh, Raymond Oz was there and we were all drinking and laughing and having a good time. Yeah. It wasn't Raymond Oz, Actually it was George. Himself. Excuse me? Absolutely right. With a dead Totally body. right. That's why he got fired? Not the reason given, but I'm told it was an election year for the DA and that was the factor. What else? That's also far. Uh, he supposedly had a brief affair with another medical examiner in LA, but other than that, he's clean. So okay, they're digging up dirt on the, on the medical examiner. I'll do the other. It oh, sounds like we're crossing the line a little. It's murder. It's also personal. You and Swackheim, it's personal. He thinks he can push us around. We'll see. Fade to commercial. We will see. Blurry B-roll. B-roll. You ready? Ready as I'll get. Nothing to lose in there, Eugene. Eugene just go for it. is just grumpy. Nothing to lose. Except the usual, our reputation. He's been called the Genie the whole turn time. this thing into a free-for-all. Let's just swing wild. He's a Eugenie like in a bottle, baby. I'm ready. Dr. Foster, so, I call your attention to here, the homicide prosecution They of just unleashed Eugene on the medical examiner after finding out he has some gross stuff in his past. And I'm ready... I can't wait. Light him up, Eugene. Let's do this. Can you do an Ian McKellen? Can you do a unleash the Eugene can crack it? Crack? You shall not pass. I, I don't really have an Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us for the first time this week. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I I don't have a real accent. Uh, no, you, it's just Sean Connery. <laughs> could you? You know what? <laughs> Ian McKellen left. Sean Connery just walked in. Oh, hello. Can you do Barack Obama unleashing the Kraken, but instead of the Kraken, it's Eugene? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, it's time to unleash the Kraken. Uh, and by Kraken, I mean Eugene. Lauren Shields, two years ago in Los Angeles. <laughs> you were the M.E. involved in that I've got other presidents, you know. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Shields was convicted in large part due to your wait, testimony. Wait, wait, here we go. Yes. And Mr. Shields... Uh... I'm ready to unleash my Kraken. <laughs> it has always been unleashed. <laughs> Do another one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I'd unleash my, my Kraken, but I, I don't know how. I'm confused. I don't understand the Kraken. I don't know what that is. It's some sort of sea beast. I, I stick. That, w- that wouldn't go well. Your your Bush Junior is not as is not as good. Well, look, I, I 
I'm can also get, low cal Keith. Can you I, I need can some you time to work into do it? Do you have a Do you have a Franklin Pierce or a Jimmy Carter? Suffering <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a malaise. No. Go in the Los Kraken. Angeles. You were the me involved in that I prosecution. Feel it. Yes. Mr. Shields was convicted in large part due to your testimony. Yes. And Mr. Shields' conviction was subsequently overturned because the cause of death attested to by you turned out to be incorrect. Objection. What's that Offering got to, to do impeach? With... This doctor has been wrong many times before, botching prosecution. Objection. Sustained. This man was fired in Los Angeles because he repeatedly screwed up investigations. Objection. I know they'd like to keep it quiet, Your Honor, but you should be concerned. Objection. Objection. Mr. Young, that's enough. We will not be going through other cases. I'm sure you've made mistakes before as well. None of mine sent a man to jail. Are you suggesting your client did not stab the man, counsel? I'm suggesting it didn't happen like you said it did. I'm suggesting all those absolutes you threw out may not be quite so absolute. Argumentative. Sustained. Doctor, you testified the victim was stabbed in the jugular vein, did you not? I did. But in your initial report, you said the victim was stabbed in the carotid artery. This was never officially listed. I first thought the carotid, but it was the jugular. And if a person were strangling somebody and he was stabbed in the jugular, it would be an absolute medical impossibility for him to keep squeezing. Is that your medical testimony? It would be extremely unlikely. Doctor, okay. I asked you if it would be impossible. Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Ladies and gentlemen, this is some history. Here on the Out of Practice Podcast, we have our first mid-episode filing and subpoena. From our good friend Phoenix Cage, who writes in on this. I just realized that now I'm kind of jumping in on the episode by proxy as if I were the third host. It's a good thing I'm not actually there right now. Otherwise, NyQuil Mike might get outdone by Percocet Phoenix. (laughs) But he talks about the jugular thing. He says, I thought the idea of someone continuing to fight after being stabbed in the jugular was ridiculous. And then I remembered that in my early 20s, I actually was stabbed in the jugular. And I managed to stay on my feet and get to help while feeling quite clear-headed. It is actually the carotid that carries blood to the brain, whereas the jugular sends it back to the heart. So even though the blood was pouring out of me like a faucet, it took minutes, not seconds, for me to black out. So it's actually quite possible to keep fighting someone after getting stabbed in the jugular, but... But to leave yourself open to being repeatedly stabbed because you won't let go of them would require no sense of self-preservation. It would take Captain Ahab level of hatred to be that self-destructive. I kind of want to read your book, Phoenix. Your life is fascinating and you it's going to be a really interesting book. Yeah, I have to say, I know that very good scientific points were raised there, but I'm still stuck on, I just remembered I was stabbed in my jugular in my 20s. Right. Feels like something is ever-present and never out of, of mind. The mind. Yeah. Not quite top of the head, but pretty close to top of the head. Oof. Man, I know wow. our rule is we can't have guests, Keith, but he is a fascinating man. No, we have to... I, I think there's an autobiography out there to find out all of these stories. Anyway, Stabbed so it, in the jugular, the Phoenix Cage story. I don't know, ooh. maybe a little too on the nose? A little too on the throat. Possible. I suppose it's not an impossibility. Well, those were your words yesterday. Absolute 
impossibility. Did you overstate it? The odds of somebody... Did you overstate it? I shouldn't have said absolute impossibility. You overstated it. Yes. So to restate it, it would be possible for the victim to be strangling, to receive a wound to the throat, and yet be able to continue strangling. Not for very long. Seconds? Yes, seconds. And doctor, what about the wounds on the hands? Is it possible that they were sustained by Mr. Wicks sticking the knife under the victim's hands, trying to pry them off his neck? Again, likelihoods. I'm not talking not... likelihoods, doctor. I'm talking possibilities. Anything's possible, counsel, but I don't... How think long you know... did you examine the hands? I don't really remember. Well, in the medical report, you make no analysis of the hand wounds. Well, they weren't the fatal wounds. Ah, uh, doctor. You look at arterial spurt patterns to help determine the order of wounds, do you not? That's correct. Did you know, that was my nickname in high school, Keith. Arterial spat spatter patterns? Spurt patterns. Spurt patterns? Although spatter patterns, spatter patterns <laughs> spatter, is even better. Spatter patterns. Oh, yeah, but in college it wasn't arterial. Did you look at the spurt patterns in this case? Yes, Gross. I did. I looked at pictures of the floors and the wall as well as photos. Pictures? Whole... You didn't go to the scene? No, I did not. Well, doesn't the M.E. go to the scene of the crime? Typically, yes. On this case, I did not. Well, why is that? Well, <laughs> this case wasn't much of a mystery, counsel. Mr. Wicks admitting to stabbing... Doctor, you were fired from your position as medical examiner in Los Angeles. Objection! Go to this man's pattern of sloppy investigating Move work. Move to strike! Sustain. He's not the one on trial here, Mr. Young. This man's testimony and his testimony Release alone him. is the only evidence on, to contradict Mr. Wicks' eyewitness account of what happened. His testimony is based on his examination. Just plan BM. He murdered him. It was Bagley. <laughs> it was Bagley. Bagley. And any evidence of his ineffective, sloppy work history certainly speaks to that. Move to strike the whole speech. Sustain. You know, how much shit are we going to strike? Because at this point, the jury is, is going to go back there and ask to not remember anything. Right. I think they should give the jury concussions. Just, like could you just give me a That's list the, of the things that we should consider? Because if none of the testimony is admissible, just give me a paper that tells me what I'm supposed to think at this juncture. Right, right. Mr. Young, knock it off. Your Honor, I'm just getting started. Oh, no, you're not. You'll stick to the relevant facts or I'll shut you down. Someone should shut you down, you fat piece of crap! Why don't you come running right up here and attack me, you scumball? That's it. How can you let Keep talking and on. I'll throw you Why don't you and Judge Judy go off and make this garbage each of more? Judge Judy? Did, did he just say, why don't you and Judge Judy go off and mate? When Is did that what he said? Intern, when did the Judge Judy show start? I bet it was going on at this point. You think back in 99, Judge yeah. Judy? She's been around forever. Wait, back. Did, did he just tell him to mate with Judge Judy? We have to go back and see. Yeah, let's find out. Why don't you come running right up here and attack me, you scumball? That's it. How can you let Keep talking, and I'll throw you Why don't you and Judge Judy go off and make 1996. Oh, I just talked right over you already are. He did say it, though. He said, why don't you and Judge Judy go off and mate? That is a really specific... you already are. Get in my chambers. So... You're a joke. You and Judge Judy go off and mate and make someone even more inappropriate than you are. Wow. That is a really odd and very specific... Why don't you and Gumby go copulate and create a weird Gumby person hybrid? So, as the intern lets us know, 
the first episode aired September 16th, 1996, which means that we're about three three years into the run of Judge Judy, so she was probably at some of the height of her... Yeah. The popularity of that sort of antagonist... Antig- God damn it. <laughs> Antigonistic. I mean, we have too much show left. I just quit, but we've got so much episode. <laughs> okay, so... Now uh, we're going to talk about the mating comment in the judges' chambers here. Okay. A miserable jaded. I love that he has model cars on one shelf, and mm-hmm. you'll notice on the other shelf when we switch to the B shot of the judge, he's got three Christmas snow globes dotting his shelf. Oops. We're learning so much. And Joker doesn't care about the. And he's got a mini fan. Also a fan. And you do. It is an outrage to let this trial continue. It's an outrage to let defendants manufacture mistrials when they don't like the way things are going, which is exactly what we have here. He mugged her to stop the trial, and he just this called me. a fair me. point. What did he call me? A fat piece of crap. Again to get a Same. mistrial. Well, he does so <laughs> at his own peril, and you should have advised him accordingly. The trial goes on. He can call me fat. He can assault anybody he chooses, but the trial goes on. Then let it go on. Let us cross-examine the M.E. without you shutting us down. Fine. 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 Eleven! Doctor, do you have any psychological problems? This just in. The show notes this week will be in all caps. News that the court should know about. (laughs) No, I do not. Do you have any perversions that compromise your work? No. I imagine you often have to examine murder victims that have also been raped. Certainly. Check the victim for semen, that sort of thing. Of course. Ever find your own semen? Woo! I asked you a question. I heard the question, counsel. I'm offended. So Bobby's going to do the cracking. One of the reasons you were fired from your job in Los Angeles. Objection. The court has already ruled. Can't the court fake it and offer the illusion of a fair trial? I object to that. So do I. This is the man who stands to put my client away. Do I get to question him or not? I'll give you a short leash. I don't want a short leash, judge. I demand the right to question this witness. A defendant in a criminal trial has the right to confront his accuser, and I would like to exercise my client's right and confront this witness. Go ahead. Dr. Foster, one of the reasons for your discharge. And imp- really astute by Bobby to make sure that was on the record. You know, state case law, state the rights of your client, and then proceed. So if it has to come to appeal, it's all on the record. Right, right. And fair bet this will be appealed. <laughs> you, you bet you, you bet you goddamn Barack Obama impression, not to mention your Franklin Pierce, which needs a little work. Oh, uh, no, my Frank, no, you, I didn't do my Franklin Pierce. Are you ready for it? Yeah. I'm frankly I'm Franklin Pierce. I'm president. Blah blah blah. Prove me wrong. He was the 13th president, Keith. And do you know that he lost 3 children and the third child was right after he was elected president and it was, they were on a train journey. The train derailed. His wife and him survived, but they watched their I believe he was 6 or 7 years old little son decapitated in front of them. So he took the oath of office having just watched his son be decapitated. And it was also the Civil War was about to break out. So, you know, his presidency didn't go uh, well. That's uh, super depressing. My impression is flawless. You can't prove it wrong. It did not happen. That did not happen. It didn't happen? No. Shall I remind you that you're under oath? I wasn't on or over a corpse. It happened in the privacy of that room. A corpse was in the room. Was there some concern 
in the district attorney's office that you were being sexually aroused by dead bodies? No, that was a lie. It was a lie. I'm sorry, sir, but I have to ask the question. That's an unfortunate thing. Have too. you ever had sex with a cadaver? No, I have not. And if I were to proffer witnesses who claimed you had sex with cadavers, they would be liars? Yes, they would. You are telling the truth. This case is a messy bit. Yes, I am, counsel. Is this what it's come to? Medical examiners get crucified? All right, doctor. Where the hell are you? Doctor, you don't object to questions like that. We've seen the plan B. What is accusing someone of having sex with dead bodies? What plan is that, Keith? It's plan N, obviously. Which one? Plan N. Plan necrophiliac. Ooh. Hmm, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but... Plan... <laughs> yeah, it's Where true. the hell are you? It's Linden. <laughs> Have you anything else, counsel? Have you ever had extramarital affairs? Objection, character evidence. By taking the stand, this man puts his reputation for truthfulness in issue. I gotta say, much like Franklin Pierce's train journey, this case is off the rails. Too soon. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Have you ever lied I, I think to you your got wife, at least sir. 200 years with a child decapitation, you monster. All right, settle down. I won't settle down. That was obscene. Dr. Foster, what the hell has this come to? I was just sacrificed up there. It has nothing to do with this case. I'm a good Emmy. This is disgusting. It's disgusting. Why would anybody ever testify if they can? This is disgusting. Unfortunately, personal lives are becoming more and more fair game then why would any witness in his right mind ever come forward or do my job? Well, if he chooses to do your job, he should certainly think twice about taming his shrew with a corpse handy. Oh, you think that's funny? It's not funny, but we might need to explain It this. happened in the privacy of taming my office. His shrew. Again, having a cadaver nearby. Shut up! I say we don't rehabilitate. There's no point. Let's go to... Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I know people are into things, and the internet is a crazy place, but I don't know, you know, it's hard enough you know, Keith, I don't know if you've ever donated sperm. It's hard enough to imagine... We actually talked about it last week, and yeah. I have not. Uh, it's hard enough to imagine trying to bring yourself to fruition in a sterile, cold doctor's office. But in an ME's office with a corpse in the room seems even more difficult. Unless you're uh, Ed Bagley Jr. I got a very big dick. Yeah, no, this this is well, you Brings know what? We should never record episodes nope. as tired as we are from fighting with the tap. My brain is trying to come up with a stiff reference uh just for the joke purpose, but I I'm going to halt myself before I say it out loud. Oh wait. <laughs> Closings. Yeah, little, I don't little, think little they light. really shook you on anything relevant. You don't think they shook me, Miss Gamble? I resign. You can't resign now. I don't ever want to be a player in this system. You can't resign now. At least wait till after the trial. I was raped in there. I was humiliated. Wow. I was... Hail, hail to our great justice system. <sighs> well, Bobby well, we was work effective. On the closing. Oh yeah. Wait, did he just set us up? It's closing time. Time to push your kids. I mean, this is for my wife. <laughs> it's closing time. Otherwise, you cry instead. Closing time. For the record, in our sing along, neither of us could hit that note, Keith. And, uh. 
It's closing time. Nice. Fan. Yeah. Take that, rigor mortis. <laughs> Take that, rigor mortis. <laughs> you know, ever since the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, man, we're dropping all the cultural I've references. I've had a hard time defending this process. Judge Judy, O.J.? way I try to explain it is that that was just an aberrant runaway proceeding. With renegade, unscrupulous lawyers, a judge oh, who couldn't control his room. Combined with total and utter disregard for integrity. And I promise my friends that that is just not the way it is. But... Every once in a while, you get a case that is every bit as disgusting as the televised debacle would have the public believe. We certainly witnessed it here, didn't we? The defendant physically attacked me, the judge went off his medication, and the defense lawyers were blatantly despicable. Objection. Sustained. One thing the judge did right, however, was to forcefully remind you that this case is only about evidence. It has nothing to do with whether a medical examiner sexually gratified himself. It has nothing to do with cases that took place in Los Angeles or whether somebody cheated on his wife. The defense would love to have you focus on that. But this case is about who killed Philip Olson. And we know who did. The defendant admitted he stabbed the man seven times. One, two, three, four, five, six, Seven. He stabbed the man seven times with a knife. That is not in dispute, seven ladies and gentlemen. Seven stabs in the jugular. Uncontested. Uh, uh, uh. But since a conviction means an automatic life sentence, defendants often roll the dice. And why shouldn't they? What do they have to lose? Might as well make something up. There's no reward for telling the truth. The life sentence is automatic. In this case... The fabrication is self-defense. Self-defense. He stabbed the man seven times, including once in the heart and once in the throat. Self-defense. No bruising on the defendant's neck, which an attempted strangulation most certainly would have left. He's threatened to kill evidence. the victim before. He's a convicted drug dealer who has stabbed people before. But hey... Self-defense. Even they know how ridiculous that theory sounds. That's why Mr. Wicks decided to go for a mistrial. Mug the DA, have the lawyers jumping up and down, turn the whole proceeding into a giant circus, and the judge might put a stop to the whole thing. At a minimum, he guarantees himself a new trial on appeal. And hey... If he happens to be so lucky as to get that one gullible juror, who knows? And that's today's judicial system, ladies and gentlemen. Words like justice and honor and respect, they don't apply. Lawyers don't get hired today because they're dignified or well thought of. It's winning and losing, like every business. Good close. It comes down to winning and losing. Great close. And I'm ashamed to be a part of it. I'm embarrassed to be a practitioner of what trial law has become, which is a joke. Criminal trials are a joke. 
Maybe one day I'll go on to teach. And I'll say that. Some student will raise his hand and ask me to give an example. I'll say, sure. Once I had a case where the defendant stabbed an unarmed man seven times, then walked into court claiming self-defense. It's all a joke. I love devoting that much time mm-hmm. to the clothes, giving it that much air. Right, what you got, Bobby? That was good. It's a joke. We've gone this far, isn't it? Like Ms. Gamble says, seven times he stabbed him. That tells the story. It's a joke. We've wasted all your time. The judge's time. Over $100,000 of the taxpayer's money. That's a joke. On the easy ones, we should be able to skip the carnival of a trial and just send the guy to prison. He stabbed him seven times. How simple can it be? That's why the medical examiner didn't even go to the scene. That's why he didn't spend much time examining the victim's hands. How much more simple can a case get? Why the hell are we even bothering with a trial? Drug-dealing scum. Why even bother? Hey, look at me. Am I disturbing you? You got, a, you got a problem listening to this? Tell the judge and he'll let you off. Mr. Donnell, do not address the jurors. Don't address uh, the jurors. Yeah. Don't yell this at the jury. This is my closing argument. Who should I be talking to? The wall? You know what I mean. Maybe I should talk to the wall. Drug dealing, stabbing client. You're not an 11 yet, Bobby. You have a better chance of moving the wall. This case can do it. is like pounding up against the wall. Mr. Donald. The reason we bother to go through a trial is because sometimes things aren't as they seem. Going handheld. We're following Bobby with a handheld camera here. Try to strangle him. The prosecution doesn't want to believe that. You may not want to believe that. But you at least have to ask yourself if Eddie Wicks planned to kill Philip Olson, would he really invite him over to his own house? What had happened in such a messy, unplanned way? The victim owed him over $60,000, which he was working on paying back. Now, most drug dealers tend to like money more than murdering people. Why would he kill the guy and say goodbye to the money? Did the prosecution address that? Did they offer any real motive here? Also good points. No. They just count stab wounds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and hope you skip over the motive part. Now, she talks about winning and losing and how disgusting it's become. You don't think they've tried to win? They put up a medical examiner who listed off a series of absolute impossibilities to things that were possible. It was, in fact, possible for a man to get stabbed in the neck and yet continue to strangle. That is possible. Dr. Foster testified that it was impossible at first. Was he mistaken? Did he lie? Or did he just overstate it, as he said? He's up here looking for a win, ladies and gentlemen. You can count on that. One function of the medical examiner's job is to be able to get on this witness stand and be a persuasive prosecutorial witness and help them secure convictions, help them win. And that's what he was doing. Now, the district attorney says she's ashamed to be a part of it. Right now, there are over 100 people sitting on death row for crimes they didn't commit. And if Eddie Wicks were convicted in California, the state that fired Dr. Foster for being too sloppy, he would also be on death row. And how many times have we seen after the, after the man sitting on death row is cleared, after the guy sitting 30 years in prison is cleared on newly discovered DNA evidence, or after the wrong man is executed, how many times have we seen the DA say, I'm ashamed to be a part of the process? They just say mistakes happen. 
Well, that's right. Mistakes happen. And even when it seems so obvious, mistakes happen. And nobody, not her, not him, not you, nobody can be sure that a big mistake isn't happening right here, right now. It could have gone down exactly the way my client said it did. Medical examiner knows it. You heard him admit on cross, under oath, possible. Possible it happened just like Mr. Wick said, possible the prosecution is wrong. And I am not ashamed to stand before you and say you cannot send a man to prison for the rest of his life when there's a chance the prosecution is wrong. This is why we have trials, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we bother. And I am not ashamed to be a part of it. I am proud to be a defense attorney. I am proud to be the one jumping up and down, even on cases where everything seems so obvious. I am proud to be the one making the state prove its burden beyond all reasonable doubt before taking a man's life away forever. And I do not think it's a joke. Now you have two choices. You can go back there and say, drug dealing scum, let's lock them up anyway. Or you can admit there was doubt. Admit the state put on nothing to contradict Eddie Wick's testimony and do the job you were sworn to do when you signed on as jurors. But if you choose to ignore that obligation, if you choose to say, forget reasonable doubt, forget the state's burden of proof, and convict him anyway, well, then Miss Gamble's right after all. The system is, in fact, a joke. A joke. A joke. Okay. Okay. I don't remember any episode where we got to hear two, both closes in their entirety, in one close shot, at length, like that. Yeah, I I love that. I wish we could have that every time. I think it's. It's it's dynamite. Of course, it does make me think of uh, Kelly Williams' comment on Instagram about how they didn't even know what was happening because all they were doing were remembering, <laughs> were, were memorizing their lines. Yeah, <laughs> those um, are some serious monologues. It's like doing a play all of a sudden. That was excellent. I and everything Bobby said is accurate. It's just so crazy that, and I know that it's the point of the whole episode that that incredible close is for this guy who. He opened the episode calling a murderer. He's clearly a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but again, Bobby's not arguing for his client. He's arguing for truth and justice. Bobby didn't bring American up a world. lot of specifics there, so. He did not. No, that, that he, he could copy-paste that on pretty much any <laughs> closing. He's got that in a Word doc. He's got to find and replace with the names. He was good. All he needed to do was persuade one lone imbecile, and he's got He's the not going to persuade. Helen, you said it yourself. One idiot beats a conviction. He just delivered a damn good closing argument. So maybe they'll beat murder one. Even with murder two, they've got an appeal. Eh, but Swackheim's right. With a murder two conviction in the bank, they'll have to plead out on manslaughter. You believe that? Guy stabbed somebody seven times. We're sitting here looking at manslaughter as a victory. Well, she went on a pity date with you. You consider that a victory. True enough. You phoned it in. What a dick. 
Thanks. Like, Something he crushed I said. it. He phoned it in. It's not that I believe in you, Eddie. It's more like... I need to believe in me. That and you're not positive I'm guilty. And there's that. Judge jury. wants to see you. Oh, shit. There it is. Oh, the judge. All right. I thought we were getting the juries back, but no. Ooh, we got fooled. We're getting a closing by Swakheim now? Swakheim? As soon as we get our verdict, you will be proceeding directly to jail, whether your client does or not. Why? Because I'm holding you in contempt. The only reason I didn't do it earlier is because I didn't want to prejudice the case. But the disrespect you have shown me in this trial will not go unpunished, counselor. Look, I know you're out of your mind. Bobby, yes. Keep talking. You say you don't want to prejudice the case. You call my client scum in open court. The fact that you even let this thing continue, any disrespect I showed to you was well-earned. Trust me. Listen, you, you little... should at least have the integrity to hold yourself in contempt. You were a blight on that room. You should have your robe stripped away. And when this case is over, in addition to all my appeals on record, I will be bringing a motion to have you removed. And I hope you judges win. like you yes, are I would a rather cancer. sit by a beach and dead rock. Yeah, instead of this looking at lawyers like you. Of ever working your ass oh, we might see 12 here. People have no violate me. Being judges, and you That's would right. be on the top of the list. The you are disgraceful. You, you are arrogant. Bobby is spitting everywhere. Kiss. Kiss. Bring it right into the cell with you. This is all your fault. All of it. Hey. Jury's back. Fourteen! <laughs> Damn. This shit is bananas. The defendant will please rise. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. We have. Unring what say you? my bell. 326-447, Commonwealth versus Edward Wicks. On the count of murder in the first degree, not we find guilty. the defendant, Edward Wicks, not guilty. 326448, on the count of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Edward Wicks, not guilty. What? Members of the jury, this completes your service. You call that service? Ms. Gamble. Oh, Helen's going what? to jail, too. Ms. Gamble. What, do you like the color of Mr. Donald's tie? Ms. Gamble. I don't care, Judge. That's it. That's it. This is what happens when you get 12 people too stupid to get out of jury duty and right, end up with enough. a bunch oh, of shit. unemployed, brain-dead idiots. Tommy, what would it take here? Did he have to stab the guy Ms. eight Campbell, times? One more word. Come on, raise your hands. Bailiff. Which one of you retards voted not guilty? All right, wow. Bailiff, you're in contempt. Well, Prove them uh, in contempt. Helen, Helen, uh, Why didn't you invite the things defendant have changed. Memo from 2020. Uh, yeah, this just in. Uh... Yeah. Uh, can I, uh, just kind of. Can we send a letter to 1999 that, that we we uh, we kind of moved on from that? Uh... Wow. Oh, she's turkey, flipping. You Take her away. Not Out. guilty by reason Fifth of your insanity, you morons. <laughs> Bailiff, take Mr. Donnell away too. He knows why. What'd you do? It's a long story. I told him to mate with Judge Judy, I think. I don't know, something like I that. I think yeah, it was something. I don't know. You and me to celebrate, doesn't feel right? like contempt. Oh, Maybe wait. next time. Eugene's like, well, well, I guess I'll go bail out Bobby. Bobby's <laughs> already been in lockup, though, right? We don't add him to the list, do we? 
Oh, well, I add it every time. Well, then we get Helen, too. We got everybody. Yes. Well, at least you let us share the same cell. Yep. Won't Lindsay be thrilled, you and I sharing a room again? Funny. Okay, tell me I can take it. I make a mistake in the trial? Should I have done something differently? Well, did I appear unsympathetic, returning with a concussion? I don't know. Medical examiner didn't help you much. She got choked out by the guy and he still said no. Yeah, right? Guess you can unring that bell. Swackheim is entering. With a bag of candy, I guess? So much silence. Maybe I could have handled things better. You think? It doesn't work. That's why I'm like I am in there. The process doesn't work. I get frustrated. Well, maybe it could work. If you do things right. Works worse when I do things right. Why don't you get off the bench? It's a thought. French fries? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pass them over here, man. You wash your hands? Please tell me you wash your goddamn hands. Two more hours, you can go. Why not now? Well, you did leave the fries, so that's cool. He did. They look pretty damn good. We're just hungry because we've been podcasting <laughs> for seven hours now. <laughs> I'd eat french fries from 1999 right now. And there <laughs> we have it. And there we have it. What a fascinating and unique episode. Well, Keith... Wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Well, Keith, that was one hell of an episode. It sure was. What should we do now? I think it is time to welcome back our new audience via video and introduce... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast in unofficial unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're a fake awards (laughs) show that we do at the end of every episode. If you are just joining us, get ready, because our first category is... Most So all of the chickens have come home to roost now, Keith, because our results-oriented process have left us in a pickle. Yes. Generally, you'd say if in the course of the trial, you got choked out by the defendant, (laughs) you probably are going to win. And thus, for being the winner and also very brave, you get the oopsie. But that didn't happen here. No. Well... (sighs) 
Helen uh, lost consciousness, but I think also lost the oopsie. You think? Well, she also lost her shit after the. But but that doesn't matter because it the it is after the jury is out, so she can do whatever she wants. Now Bobby lost his shit too, and he was pretty gross in in cross examining Ed Bagley Jr. But he did win. He did win. Eugene didn't say much. He rolled his eyes a couple times. He harumphed around and he... He did break his own client's arm. He did that as well. So So what I'm saying is we've got a lot of bad choices. Uh, I I, I don't see how Bobby doesn't win, though. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He laundered some money. He... Ended yeah. up in jail. I mean, if, if you look at it this way, he took a client who had stabbed an unarmed person seven, seven times, times through the jugular and through the heart. <laughs> and somehow this person was innocent. And But what he did is that he, he literally just hammered reasonable doubt and... Uh, Pointed out some holes that Helen left in the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, okay, all right. You have talked me into it. Congratulations, Bobby Donald, with your MVL. And uh, this just in from uh, from our intern, the most appropriate thing possible. She started drinking. <laughs> well, it was not five o'clock somewhere when we began this, but it is now. It sure as hell is now. It was basically oh. breakfast when we began the day. Oh, my Lord. So we're streamlining, right? Streamlining. Streamlining. I still have to mix it and get it on the internet by soon. <laughs> All right. Our next category is... Already, Already famous. Because you've been on TV. Getting, getting a paycheck. Pay first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. Oh. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. Did you see my air piano there, Keith? I did. No, I I did mine too. I always do mine. I've sort slightly out of focus. Here we go. So it's the piano behind me, but do we go with bad accent or do we go with Ed Necrofagley Jr.? Uh in my opinion, neither. Wow. I think think this goes to Paul Dooley as Judge Swackheim. Absolutely. You know what? I just think I'm thinking of him as Roberta Kittleson as not guests because they're just so ever present. I think you're right. I thought Paul Dooley crushed it. I thought it was uh, it was fascinating. There were a lot of different colors that he gave us. And uh, I I like that character who is, you know, similar to to Richard Bay. He's a villain with colors. Mm hmm. And and I find that uh, a really compelling character, and I'm always glad to see him when he's there. So, congratulations to Paul Dooley for your Dooley earned oopsie. Next up. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I called it at the top. I said, give me more Bobby. I said, I need, 
I need me my medicine. Give me my baby Bobby. Give me my Bobby McD. I need that big old Bobby McD. And boy, did I get him. I got a very big dick. Oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed my Bobby McD. I got my Bobby mm -hmm. McD, and I got him yep. firing on every cylinder. Not one, not two, not three, all the way up. Not even 10. I got me some 11, 12s, 13s, and to 15. I got every bit of Bobby I needed, and then some, if you know what I'm saying. And so for me, and then a crazy close, too. His close was really excellent also. Not just the memorizing, memorizing? Memorizing <laughs> of the lines. Get this man a sandwich. <laughs> I say Dylan McDermott, baby. Is he on Cameo? Keith, have you heard of Cameo? I have heard of Cameo, yes. Will someone, will we use all of the proceeds from the Out of Practice podcast to get Bobby McD to give us a Cameo? Well, I. here's the thing about that, though. <laughs> I there, there was a, uh, someone did that for our progenitor Star Trek The Next Conversation. They actually hired John DeLancey to do a little cameo as Q. The problem was it was a little awkward because uh, he was talking to them as if they were like nobody's like, you know, like a cute, oh, I'm going to, I'll mention your podcast or whatever. But they were like, in real life, they're friends. They actually know John DeLancey, oh. but... John didn't know who he was doing it for, so it came off a little bit like weird, and it was it was a little awkward. Hmm. So that's a, that's a no then. I I think that might be awkward. Like if we if if someday we come across and can do it as as I don't know if it feels a little like a like prostitution, you know, just like hiring them to pay attention to Would us. Would you be surprised to know I've already looked into it? Not in the slightest. To my searching, interestingly, for those who have been listening with us, the only person. Oh my on, god! I I just ruined my own birthday present. The only person on there is Marla Sokolov. Interesting. Who we've already contacted, really. So we, we're already good friends with Marla. Good, so. good old friends. Um, Jen Jen is very anti cameo. She thinks it's uh, everything that's wrong with everything. She's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'll, I'll give it to Dylan. I, I thought uh, Laura Flynn did really excellent work in this episode. And, you know, I always love cracking Eugene. Uh, but, yeah, congratulations to Dylan McDermott. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Oh, wait, I forgot there wasn't a it's time for on this one, so... It's time for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Those of you just joining us, we just don't have the time to explain to you why explain. we do this award. Just know Look, that every Tom week Brady, we yeah. award Tom Brady an award for being Tom Brady. Yeah, that's and, what he gets the oopsie for. And though it might seem like we're singing his praises, we're not. It's it's tongue in cheek. And no, no, I'm a Giants fan. He's an Eagles fan, and nobody likes Tom Brady. Uh, by the way, although he is an avid listener and has emailed us many times, many times a pat on the back, Keith, for SpaceX, Tom Brady. Really funny. Doesn't take oh, the yes. doesn't take the cake. I still think Bobby, uh, Tom Brady wearing Bobby's dead mom's wedding, wedding dress, dress, jumping Tom, out of a cake. 
for Keith's birthday, birthday, Tom Brady is still the best. But that's a pretty good one. Uh, as affirmed by uh, founding sponsor Leanne Wrights on Instagram, by the way. Oh, oh, great. Anyway, I think that this week Tom is jumping on the bandwagon as usual. He saw we were doing it and trying something new. And so this week's award for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to YouTuber Tom Brady. Oh, interesting. Uh, we, I think we have We did podcast Tom Brady. We did podcast Tom Brady. We also did YouTube exercise workout Tom Brady. Right, right. This is YouTuber, work- though. This YouTuber. All right. Mm-hmm. So like, like and subscribe Tom Brady. Yes. Like and subscribe Tom Brady. That's perfect. Okay. There it is. Well, congratulations to like and subscribe Tom Brady for winning the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Which brings us to... The monumental moment of every episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Now, on the first season of the Out of Practice show, uh, there was inexplicably, inexplicably a... Get this man a sandwich. A spare tire in Bobby's office. Also, it wasn't the Out of Practice show. It was just (laughs) the practice. We have no spare tires. We have no show. Uh, what is happening? <laughs> so basically, instead of warning, awarding stars, we award. Wait, you know, spare, I, you know I, what? I, wait, hold on. <laughs> you have now stumbled on too many words, and you know. What, oh, we haven't done it in so long. What, what, what doesn't stumble on all their words is. It's not just a day, it happens every week. I don't know my facts and I cannot speak because it's not a better podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. <sighs> um, yeah, so we award spare tires instead of stars. It's just how we rate the episode. Get over it. So <laughs> I'll say, you know I love me Bobby, some Bobby McRambo. I love when we yeah. go to 11. So I must love when we go to 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. And I did. So much of this I loved. I loved a lot of the performances and the acting, and I even liked some of the questions. There's some stuff out of left field. They Just to get crazy, we're talking necrophilia. We got Ed Bagley Jr. who's pissed. Everybody's pissed. They're choking out Helen. It's It was a lot. I'm not sure it, it worked. I'm very distracted also. There's a lot happening. <laughs> uh, I, the best part of the episode for me was the close. The close was one of the best, I think. It was yeah. really great. But as a whole, we haven't we didn't cover any new ground, and we just looked at everybody hates the court, even the judge. It just added a voice. I, I, Keith, I think what I'm saying here is I didn't love it. Okay, I didn't right. hate it. I didn't love it. I need to trans. You need to transcribe your not loving it, not hating it into an amount of tires. That's okay, what we well, do here. that is. I think it was better than mediocre. Uh, I would give it a six, but I need to pump it up a couple because we're going to 11. So I'm going to give it 6.75. 6.75. Okay. Well, I was curious how you were going to react to this episode because all of your complaints, I think, are valid. It is ground that we've covered a fair amount. I think the the just endless 
discussion of like is our is being a lawyer being a good person is our system all fucked up what's going on blah 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 and that's and yes obviously that is over overdone and i'm usually the one who wants it to tone down the bobby mcrambo stuff and i want to sort of stay in the real world but you love bobby mcrambo this time what well what i loved about this episode was that we it was self-contained it was one case start you know start to finish and that allowed us to spend a little bit more time with the the themes and the ideas i loved the double long closing um loved i would it, yeah. you know it's just i i find it fascinating and i thought they made good points and i thought at the end of it i wasn't sure where the jury was going to go i like the swackheim character he's got some good lines it's a great performance uh, so I don't think it's a fantastic episode, but I've actually, as a, as a viewer really enjoyed watching this because and you know what it's because the zaniness of it was tied to, uh, the, the case mm. it was tied to the courtroom. It was tied to, it was within the, the bounds of what we're talking about. It wasn't so out of left field, like, you know, serial killer running around that's not related to the case. So I, so I forgave it because it was in the right world. So that is a long way of saying we might be further apart on this episode than we've been on an episode for a while. I'm going to give it eight spare tires. Wow. Yeah. I like this one. All right. Well, all right. There you have it. We'll do some math and we'll put that on the website. Keith, where? Well, roll it and let's tell everybody where they can find us on the interwebs. If you'd like to find us on the interwebs, you can find us on social media at Out of Practice on Facebook and Instagram. You can go to our blog at Out of Practice Podcast at Blogspot. Do us a favor, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and you can join the jury. I ran out of things to say. You talk now. Uh, You can also donate to the podcast, help us out in producing the podcast. Clearly, we need the help. (laughs) Uh, you can do that by just visiting the show notes and I guess the YouTube notes that I guess I'll have to do now Uh, I don't think Uh I don't think Instagram lets us do the notes so we'll see all will be revealed Uh, look I'll be getting the help I need I have therapy in an hour we were supposed to start this at 2 yeah it's been crazy so it is (laughs) I'm gonna need to talk to my therapist about this very podcast well Either way, show notes, donate if you want. And uh, we thank you for joining us. Yeah, and Peace. let us let us know if you liked uh, seeing us stammer in front of you in video format. It'll only get better. I can't promise that. No, in the meantime, will. have some low-cal laser sound. Laser sound.